You're listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. This is our season finale of the podcast. I am so excited to bring this guest on today. And we're talking all about self-doubt, fear, and all those scary things that go into being an entrepreneur. So let's get into it. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Brave and Boss, the podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the seven-figure ethical fashion brand Encircled, host of this podcast, business mentor, and proud dog mama. And I am so excited to kick off this episode by letting you know that this is the season finale of Brave and Boss. We are, you know, I guess eight months into the year, six six months. I don't know. I'm losing track at this point. It's July, (laughs) end of July. So we've been releasing an episode pretty much every single week since January. So that's a ton of episodes that we've dropped in your inbox or subscriber feed for podcasts, and it's time to take a break. So we're going to take a couple of months off the podcast and probably be returning most likely in early October, just in time to prep you for the holiday season. And I'll definitely be coming back with some more courses and workshops throughout that time to support you as you plan your holiday, grow your team, scale your ads, and all that good stuff. But the podcast itself is going to be on a hiatus. So just keep that in mind. Keep subscribing to us and keep following me on Instagram at Christy Sumer. And I'd love to stay in touch with you and join our Facebook group facebook.com slash brave and boss slash group slash brave and boss entrepreneurs. We'll put all the links to these in the show notes. so You can check them out, but I definitely want to stay in touch and we have a huge back catalog. So if you are looking for something to do while we're on this little season break, I'd invite you to dig back into previous episodes. So I've been doing this podcast for just over almost four years now, which is crazy to think about. And it blows my mind that it's been going on this long. (laughs) There's so many episodes. And yes, digital marketing does change. So, you know, if you do go back to, let's say, three years ago, which is, you know, 2018, I'll be talking about different things, pop-up shops sometimes, which maybe aren't as relevant right now, but hopefully will be again soon. But some of the core principles, especially on the episodes where I talk about marketing and brand strategy, those are timeless. Those never change with brands. And often when I coach brands who are trying to scale that there is a disconnect there between brand and product and that aspirational brand that people want to create to really create a movement and a brand that can become, you know, one of those top tier brands. So I encourage you to go back through the back catalog. You can read the show notes on christysumer.com. If you are interested in keeping in touch and furthering your education during this time with me, I am taking on a few select coaching clients for monthly coaching If you have an existing business, I only take you on as a monthly coaching client with a minimum of three-month commitment. So we will typically meet twice a month for coaching sessions and then have homework and email support in between. And then I also do intensive sessions, which are typically half-day Zoom calls where we pretty much build your brand from the ground up. So that's usually for people who are just starting out or maybe have like a few months under the belt of sales. So if you're interested in any of those opportunities, feel free to hit me up at Christy Sumer on Instagram or hello at christysumer.com to connect and see if it might be a fit to work together. 
I only have a few spots because I'm trying to dial back my hours in the summertime, but I'd love to work with you if you are a fit and you're looking to have that type of coach in your corner who can really help you kind of build a business holistically. That's really my specialty. I don't brand myself as a Pinterest expert or Facebook expert or abundance mindset expert. I am kind of a Jill of all trades. So that's what makes me a really powerful boss and executive, I think, is that I'm pretty good as a generalist across a lot of different areas. And I can see holistically across an organization to see, you know, what is going on with brand, what is going on with product and operations and how these all interplay together. Because as you start to scale your brand, all these things need to work in sync alongside your team and your goals and all those good things. So if that's a fit, reach out. So I'd like to flip over now, but without further ado, and introduce you to our guest. She is amazing. You are going to be so, so excited to connect with her. I was excited when her name, I've recently gotten some really great guests, like just through, I guess I've manifested them inadvertently, they would say into my inbox, but I've had just a really great luck with um, people pitching me just absolutely phenomenal guests. So when this guest dropped into my inbox, I was immediately excited to work with her because one of the topics I've talked about a bit on this podcast, but also one of the chief reasons why I created this podcast wasn't necessarily to put out these episodes on content marketing, though I do think that's an important skill. It was also to open up the conversation, which I talk about a lot on my Instagram around kind of the challenges of entrepreneurship and letting other founders know that they're not alone in these challenges. And one big one that comes up a lot is self-doubt and confidence, because a lot of us who are listening to this, you know, this is our first business that we've built on our own. Maybe we've worked for somebody else and helped them build their business, but typically I attract a lot of first-time entrepreneurs and that can be a really scary process because everything is new. You know, I can still remember the time when I was trying to figure out, do I have to register for workplace safety insurance? And how do you do payroll? And how do you cut a check? Like, how do you hire an employee? Like, and now like, that's not my issue for sure. But now my issue is like, how do I get funding? How do I pitch to investors? How do I scale this brand? Like all these things that we've never done before keep coming up at every level in our business. So today's guest is Dr. Brooke Smith. She's a productivity coach and mindfulness expert. She helps women entrepreneurs create a system of support and a sustainable structure for their business. She transforms personal and professional productivity through mindfulness with a focus on where entrepreneurs apply their energy. Women come to her typically feeling overwhelmed and unfulfilled with too much to do and not enough support. Does this sound familiar? I can resonate with this. She works with them in designing a life and workspace that allows for ease and spaciousness while scaling their business and reintroducing enjoyment. In her prior year, she worked in corporate and managed an operational excellence program, a $1 billion company. She's been featured in over a dozen media outlets and holds a PhD from the University of Toronto, an MBA from Indiana University's Kelly School of Business. And she's also a certified yoga instructor, therapeutic yoga, life coach, wellness coach, NLP. I mean, Six Sigma project management goes on. She is Amazing. So get ready for this one. I can't wait for you all to have a listen. All right. I'm super excited to welcome today's guest to the show. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Brooke Smith to the show. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you, Christy. I'm so happy to be here. I am absolutely thrilled to have somebody with your experience and your background on the podcast. As we were talking about in the pre-interview, I've never had anybody on here who's a professional to talk about all the things we're going to talk about today, mindset, self-doubt, building confidence. 
because I think those are really underrated topics that aren't addressed enough with entrepreneurs. So before we dig into that meaty topic, can you start off with a quick intro and tell all of our listeners who you are, what you do, and what your why is? Yes. So I am a intuitive productivity and time freedom coach. Primarily, I help women entrepreneurs find that freedom that they dreamed of when starting their businesses. But now that they are several years into their businesses, it kind of feels like their business is running them and that freedom is feeling farther and farther away. What got me started down this path was actually my eating disorder recovery. I had bulimia for a huge portion of my life, including a relapse in my early 30s. And after that relapse, I started experimenting with intuitive eating. And one of the sort of core principles of intuitive eating is letting go of attachment to the outcome, letting go of attachment to you know, a specific size and shape and weight of your body to really trust the process. And at the time, that was really hard for me. But when I actually got into it, when I gave up control and sort of delegated all of those micro decisions to my body and my unconscious, I had the best year of my life. I finished my MBA. I started a new job in sales. I crushed my first year quota. My husband and I acquired and renovated a rental property, and I ran my fastest marathon yet. And I realized that I had spent so much time and energy trying to control my body that it was shutting out all of these other things I wanted to do in my life. And when I stopped wasting energy trying to control my body, I had all of this time and energy available to do so many other meaningful and fulfilling things. And I started following that everywhere. I could see in the workplace how When we start to micromanage other people, nobody gets anything done. And it was just another example of how control was getting us farther from our desired goals. How we sometimes, especially as entrepreneurs, we get super stressed about what other people think of us, hoping that we can control other people's reactions. And we end up spinning in indecision and worry and perfection instead of just doing the thing and taking the action. And accepting that we actually can't control other people's reactions. We can't control the outcome. So this has grown from being an experiment in intuitive eating to being a guiding principle in how I do everything in my life and also what I help my clients with. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that on the podcast. I'm sure many women can relate to your story. And I know I come from a background of a bit of disordered eating from being an athlete competitively growing up. So I can definitely relate to that control factor and feeling like you are in control of everything that goes in your mouth and counting all the calories and doing all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting to see how that translates to work and micromanagement, that connection there definitely makes sense for me. So what do you commonly see? Like, what do people typically come to with? You mentioned the idea of that people are feeling like they've created this business for freedom, which also I can relate to, yet they haven't really been able to harness that feeling of freedom. They still feel very tied to their business a few years in. So what are some of the common challenges you see with like startup entrepreneurs? Yep. So the biggest challenge by far is feeling like there's not enough time. There's too much to do and there's not enough time. And when we first look at it, it usually looks like it's an external problem. Like there are just too many things that need to be done and we only have 168 hours in every week. 
But when we start to peel back the layers, we find that a lot of those things maybe don't need to be done at all. And it's just our brains making us feel like they need to be done. Or some of them need to be done, but not necessarily by us. And we're afraid to let them go. And some of the things do need to be done, but we're making them take so much more time than they need to. And we're making them a lot harder than we need to because of our own fears and self-doubt and perfectionist tendencies. That last point is such a good one. And I think that will resonate a lot with the listening today, because one of the things that I think is very common when you start a business is you get accustomed to the way you do things and you start to follow this mindset that like nobody else can do it as good as you. And I know definitely I felt that, you know, when I was starting out, even with shipping, I felt like I was so good at shipping packages, but like if I was spending all my time shipping orders, I would never be creating products or launching new designs or, you know, even promoting the products. I wouldn't have the time. And the reality is I'm not that great at shipping. I think I had just convinced myself that nobody else could do it. So what are some tools or mental shifts that people need to make happen to be able to get out of that framework that like, there's not enough time, you know, nobody else can do this as good as me. And those types of mindset blocks that entrepreneurs run into. So in terms of the one of, no one else can do this as good as me is a big one that we run into all the time. So I'm going to address that one on its own before even diving into the others. There's two fears that are tangled up here and they often go together. There's the fear that no one else can do it as well. You know, and if someone does it and they make a mistake and it's not as good, then customers are going to be unhappy and the whole business and world is going to implode. But then there's this other fear that's often kind of in the background And we're afraid that someone else actually will do it as well as us. And that's every bit as scary Mm -hmm. because our self-worth is tied up with being at the heart of our business. So the idea that someone else can do it as well as or even better than us is every bit as scary as the idea that someone else is going to mess it up. Mm. That is such a great insight and something I've never thought about. But I think one of the things that happens too when you start a business is you become very inextricably linked to your business performance with your success as like a person. So I know specifically in the e-commerce space, so I run an e-commerce brand as well. And like when you have like a really good sales day, you're like on top of the world. But if you have like you know, a couple of days or maybe sometimes a few weeks or a month where sales are really bad. It's so hard to stay positive and, you know, think, oh, this is just a slow time or, you know, ebbs and flows of business. So like, how does one start to even shape their mindset around that? Like, what are some tips or tricks to really become more conscious and talk ourselves into not kind of becoming so attached to outcomes in our business? Yeah. So I like to do this in sort of a roundabout way because it's really hard to just go right in and be like, nope, my self-worth is totally independent of my business. I know I wouldn't have believed that the first time someone told me, and I don't expect anyone else to believe it either. So I start by looking at other people and adopting the idea that everyone is worthy and valuable and whole, just intrinsically by virtue of being human, by virtue of being a living creature. And looking for examples of other people being worthy and valuable and whole. And once I start viewing other people in that way, allowing other people to be worthy, even if they have a bad day, 
to be really wonderful humans, even if they have a day where their business doesn't make money. It's so easy to see it in other people. And the more we practice seeing it in other people, the easier it becomes to believe it about ourselves. Yeah, that's such a great technique. I think that ability to not tether yourself to your business in that aspect is really like, I can really throw you. Like, I know that I can feel like sad some days if we have like really bad sales or we launch a product and it's like, whoa, this did not turn out how I envisioned it, you know? So it's, I think that ebbs and flows of business is really natural for entrepreneurs. Like you're not always going to be on an up and up. So I think that is also really critical. So I want to go back to a few of the other things you talked about. So one of the common challenges is there's not enough time in the day. And that belief that like, you know, there's often said that like Beyonce has the same 24 hours in a day. I kind of don't love that, especially because Beyonce also has a lot of like financial freedoms that most people don't have. And, you know, a lot of other things at her disposal, but I get the intent of it that like, we all have, you know, kind of the same time in the day and it's really how we spend it. So what are some tips you can give about maximizing your productivity if you're feeling like you're not really getting stuff done or you just don't have the hours in the day? Yep. So the first thing is simplify. You know, when we talk about productivity, a lot of people jump to automations and hiring and delegating. But the first thing before we even talk about leveraging our time by using automations or by hiring is by eliminating anything that doesn't actually need to be done. Because in the long run, if we automate something that's not necessary or we hire out something that's not necessary, all we're doing is continue to carry around the weight of having a process or function or task that isn't necessary. So my background before my coaching business is I was a Lean Six Sigma black belt and corporate trainer. So I look at a lot of things through that lens of in our business processes, What are the things that are actually creating value for the customer? What are the things that we're doing that are serving the core functions of our business, enabling customers to find us, helping customers decide to buy from us, and then actually fulfilling those orders to customers and handling any customer service requests? And if it's not meeting one of those core functions why are we doing it? And if it is meeting one of those core functions, then I usually invite you know, myself or the client to ask, is this the best way to meet that core function? Are we meeting this function in multiple ways and we only need to be doing it in one or two ways? Especially in marketing, there's usually a lot of things that are being done that aren't moving the needle and a small number of things that we're doing that are moving the needle. So figure out what are the things that are moving the needle, focus on those and let go of the rest. And then in terms of creating more time, it's also once we decide what those things are that do need to be done, eliminating that internal mental resistance that causes us to take a long time doing them. So if we, you know, when we're doing creative work, there's this tendency to allow a project to drag out for hours, days, weeks because we get so emotionally tied up in our creative work through some cycle of like postponing it and thinking about it and then coveting it and not wanting to let it out. So give yourself, you know, a deadline, you know, an hour or two, whatever you need for the project, more if it's a bigger project to just crank it out with the understanding that it's going to be like B minus or C work and allocate another time 
to go back, clean it up and get it ready to go. And that's it. Don't allow the work to expand beyond the time that you're giving it, unless it's something that really brings you joy. And if you're giving it more time because it brings you joy, then be honest with yourself that you're giving it more time because you actually want to, not because it's necessary for the task. For me, that's learning. I love reading. I love learning. And one of the biggest transformations for me personally was when I stopped pretending that it was something I had to do to be productive and started admitting to myself that it was actually something I was doing for fun. Mm. Yeah, you bring up so many great points there. I mean, I want to emphasize the idea of processes because I think one thing that happens to when starting your own business, especially if you come from corporate where you've perhaps worked at like a fortune 500 company that is just like overburdened and processes. So I came from that world and I worked at Colgate Palmolive at one point and they had so many processes for everything and SOP and you have to sign off on this, that, and the other thing just to do anything. And there's definitely a point in corporate where it becomes, you know, a hindrance, but I think you can also swing the other way a little bit too much too, when you start an entrepreneurial organization. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast that, you know, processes don't have to be restrictive. They can actually be efficiency plays and they can add to that and they help make training people so much easier if you want help in the business and whatnot. So I love that idea of simplifying and then using data to inform your decisions too. Like you said, you know, success leaves clues. Like anytime you're doing marketing in particular, the benefit of having online sales and online stores is that we can see where they come from. So really drilling into that idea that, you know, you don't need to be on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. Maybe you just need to be on one of those um, to start and then scale up as you go, I think is a really great message for our listeners as well. So glad that you mentioned corporate because I think one thing that's really important for entrepreneurs to hear is that your processes should be right-sized to your business and they should support you. So when you're creating processes, know that you only need exactly the amount of structure that makes you feel supported and like you can do something repeatably and you could hand it off if you needed to. You know, corporations, the bigger they get, start to use process improvement almost as a weapon where any problem, they're like, oh, we'll just do an improvement project on it. And then the next thing you know, everyone's filling out six more forms and two more spreadsheets for every single thing they need to get done. And in our own businesses, we really want our processes to be simple and supportive. You know, for a small e-commerce business, you probably only need a handful of processes because you do a small number of things and you want to do them consistently well and repeatably. So if managing your processes is starting to feel like a burden in and of itself, the next step is usually to simplify. It's not to add more. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that idea of like creating a process that, you know, supports the business at the stage it's at, and then you can always expand it and make it more complex as you grow. But it definitely, for me, in my experience too, you know, I have a team of 20 people now. It becomes so important because when you're not involved in doing all the little steps, you know, there's little things that get missed and they seem like little things, but if those little things are always getting missed, you know, if you're setting up a product and you're supposed to tag it with this, that, and the other thing, then it doesn't show up when you're sorting by size on the customer side, like they can really add up to like a negative customer experience. And it's just like a small little step that maybe you didn't even think about when you're doing the process, but now somebody else has picked it up. 
So I always like to like get people to write down their processes and then have somebody who's never done it before practice that process and see if it makes sense to them. Because oftentimes make a lot of assumptions too. I think when we're doing things that people know what we're doing and live in our heads. So I think that's a great, a great step too. That's practical as well. That was such a good example. And I agree. That's the best practice is to have someone who doesn't know the process, try to follow it. Mm-hmm, totally. So I want to talk a little bit about procrastination because you touched on that a little bit. So I think it's interesting to talk about this because what I found, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this is that sometimes you get like, you have too much to do and that can lead to like, almost like paralysis. Like I find sometimes if I'm really overwhelmed, I just freeze up and I just don't do anything. (laughs) Have you ever had that experience? And what would you suggest for selfishly for people who have that experience when they have too much on their plate? Like what's a great way to start moving and get a bit more productive with what we have to do? Yes, I have personally experienced it and it's something I help a lot of other people with. So the first step is always write it down because trying to carry around a long list in your head just makes everything worse. So if it's not already written down, write it down. The second step is I usually divide the list into a few other lists. One is simple tasks that don't actually take long. They're just a nuisance. So this might be things like scheduling appointments, errands, It's usually, it's not deep work. And a lot of times it's work that doesn't necessarily require your particular expertise, but it might be stuff that you need to do for whatever reason. I put these on a list all by themselves because they're a great thing that you can just check a few off your list, either when you're struggling to get momentum and you need to accomplish something in order to feel better. Or if you have a call that ends early, you have a list of quick tasks that you can do when you find yourself with 15 minutes that you didn't expect to have. The next list I would make is prioritized the big projects, the things that actually require deep work where you need a few hours uninterrupted in order to make real progress. Prioritize those and then commit to doing the first one within the next 24 hours and defend that time. So that's the time that you carve out to do the deep work. And unless there is a fire or someone is bleeding, all distractions get paused until your block of time is up. The rest of the list, evaluate and run it through the filter of does it really need to be done? And if it does need to be done, do I need to be the one that does it or can it be delegated? Yeah, that's such a great thought process and you really broke it down there to step-by-step. So I want to make sure everybody's taking notes on this because I think even if you don't have anybody to delegate to right now, if you're a solopreneur, I mean, this could become your future job description of somebody that you need to hire probably in your business if you're starting to notice a bunch of tasks adding up. So that's something I've definitely done, like kind of a time, a daytime study where you're looking at like how you're spending your time throughout the day and like what you're actually working on and then asking yourself, is this the right stuff that I should be working on right now? Or am I spending time on like, you know, admin stuff right now or, you know, bookkeeping when I should be doing strategy or product design. So I love all those tips that you provided. I want to drill a little bit more now and switch gears into the topic of self-doubt because this is something that we talk about a little bit on the podcast, but I've never, as I mentioned, have an expert on. So I'm very excited to dig into this a little bit more. And I'm curious in your experience, like 
I know that self-doubt is pretty common with entrepreneurs because I think we're dealing with a lot of ambiguity. We're building something from the ground up. There's oftentimes a lot of us are first time entrepreneurs. So we feel like we don't know what we're doing. In your opinion, what is at the root of self-doubt and what are some things that really cause that when you're starting a business and growing a business? So self-doubt, if we peel it back far enough, is always about fear. Usually it's some sort of fear of uncertainty. It's fear of what will happen if we're not good enough, fear of what will happen if we fail. And I think the reason entrepreneurship brings it up And it does bring up self-doubt in everyone. I have yet to meet an entrepreneur at any level who doesn't experience self-doubt. The only thing that changes as we get more experienced is we can move through it quicker. And we're also that much more terrified because we feel we have so much more to lose. So I just want to, first of all, normalize that the experience of self-doubt as an entrepreneur is so common people who are experiencing it are definitely in the majority. Yeah, in terms of agreed. <laughs> yeah, in terms of how to actually deal with it, I have a three-step process that I use personally to this day and that I also teach my clients. So the first step is to practice any sort of mindfulness or embodiment and the goal is just to turn down the volume on all of the racing thoughts. You know, self-doubt isn't an emotion that we feel viscerally. It's created by the thoughts in our mind. It's created by comparing ourselves to other people, worrying about what's going to happen if we do something, if it's not perfect, worrying about how other people are going to react, how something is going to be received. What if we make the wrong decision? You know, self-doubt is very cerebral in its origin. So practicing any sort of mindfulness, like a body scan meditation or a breath meditation, it pulls us out of that narrative experience. The human brain is not capable of spinning all of these stories at the same time as it focuses on physical sensations. It can do one or the other. It can switch back and forth quickly, but it can't do both. So having the option to pay attention to your breath instead of to the self-critical commentary in our minds is the first step. Because the more that we have the option of noticing our physical sensations instead of listening to all the self-doubting stories, the more that we practice doing that, we can start to separate ourselves from the stories and see these stories aren't actually me. These stories are just a talk track These stories are just a record that's playing over and over again. And by noticing my breath, I can slow it down. I can turn down the volume. So that gives you an almost instant reprieve. And it's a skill that you can practice anywhere. You can practice when you're standing in line at the grocery store. You can practice when you're on the phone. And the more you practice, the more it's available when you're in a stressful situation. If you're on the phone with an unhappy customer, if you're having a difficult conversation with an employee, practice several times a day, just for a minute or two, and it's there when you need it. So that's step one. Step two is building up the habit of follow through. And that's the choosing one task, one high priority thing and getting it done. Choosing one high priority thing and getting it done over and over. 
One of the things that starts to erode our self-confidence over time is overcommitting, saying yes to everything, getting too many things on our list, and then feeling overwhelmed and like we can't deliver, we can't meet all of our obligations and commitments. And stripping all of that away and practicing just committing to one thing and doing it, committing to one thing and doing it, and stacking those successes on top of each other, it feels really good. It rebuilds that self-trust. And it also creates a habit of follow-through so that over time, it becomes easier and easier to follow through. And we can do it with a lot less internal dialogue. And then the third step is to let go of our fear of uncertainty. Because ultimately, we can only control the things that we can control, which isn't very many. We can control how we show up. We can control our actions. We can control how much effort we put into things. But we can't control the future. We can't control the markets. We can't control what other people think or feel or how other people respond. We can't control the weather and forces of nature. There are so many things that we can't control. And by letting go of the fear of the inherent uncertainty of everything around us, we can, instead of letting that energy spin out in worry and catastrophic thinking, we can focus that energy on that one or two things that we're working on right now. And when we're not working, we can focus that energy on actually enjoying ourselves and being present. <laughs> I mean, these three steps are so necessary. So I think for anybody listening, if they're not feeling self-doubt, you maybe aren't immersed enough in your business because that's Brooke has mentioned it's something that's very, very common amongst entrepreneurs and, and in the entrepreneurial community. And I know that as your business gets bigger, I've often asked founders of larger businesses, like if they ever get over this or if they ever feel like 100% confident. And usually the answer is no, because at every stage of your business, you're kind of challenged with new and different things. So you're never really going to be the expert because you're always kind of learning. So I love that idea of, you know, being able to quiet your mind. I think that is so important. You know, many of us have had many nights, myself included, where we just ruminate on things at night, all of a sudden you're going to bed and you're like, why did that person post that photo on Instagram? Like, you know, who tagged that photo? Like, what was up with that caption? And you're like, this is not important for me to think about right now. So I love all those steps. So let's dig into a little bit about that fear of uncertainty, because I think that one is a really big one, because especially in the last year, I would say during the pandemic, that has really peaked in a lot of people, especially business owners, because of what's going on in the world. So you talked a little bit about letting go of that fear and really, you know, getting those quick wins. But have you seen any tools or techniques over the past year that have really helped calm that anxiety with business owners that you've worked with? over the pandemic, because I feel like that's like a very global situation where people can really feel like they're losing a lot of control completely. And that can be very worrying. Yes. So mindfulness, 100%. So the mindfulness that I'm sort of preaching in the other steps is 100% essential to letting go of the fear of uncertainty, because one of the ways of moving through that fear is knowing that you'll be okay no matter what happens. And I know some people find it comforting to actually allow their minds to go to worst case thinking and thinking through how would I handle it if the worst happens. 
Some people don't find this helpful, so I'm not recommending it. (laughs) Um, If you happen to be one of the people whose mind does that and you find it helpful, know that you're in good company. If you find that it is not helpful, don't do it. Either way, just being in your body and breathing, because that is something that is available to you no matter what. Even if the worst thing happens, even if we don't want to think about the worst thing that can happen, the ability to slow down time and slow down our panicked response by being in our body is always there. There's an old... I think this is a a Buddhist principle, and I am probably going to mess it up in the way that I'm telling it, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's really important. And it's the idea of the second arrow, that you're walking through the woods, you get shot by an arrow, and that arrow has already hit you. Like, it's done. But if you get upset and angry about it and then, like, hurt yourself trying to pull it out, you've essentially just shot yourself again, inflicting additional pain on suffering on top of what was already there. So when we fear the uncertainty, it's often because we're not only fearing the bad thing that's going to happen or the bad thing that could happen, it's that we also have this idea in our head of how upset we'll be and how disappointed everyone else will be. And we shoot all of these additional arrows into ourselves when we think about it and we make it even worse. And we can avoid or we can choose to not do that. We can choose to accept what is, and we can choose to accept that even if something bad happens, even if the uncertain future doesn't go the way that we want it to be, we still have options that are available to us. We can choose how we respond. We can choose how we get back up. We can choose what we learn from the situation, and we can choose how we continue to show up going forward. And then even as we look into uncertainty, we can look at it from a place of choice as opposed to from a place of powerlessness. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I've found really helpful, and this was something that I've really only come to more recently, sort of after I had already been steeping in this work for several years, is that we can choose to believe in something larger than ourselves. Someone asked me not too long ago. She'd said that based on her observations, she thought that a lot of very successful entrepreneurs and business people were also deeply spiritual. And I've been thinking about that ever since I heard it. And I think there's something to that because when you have belief in something larger than you, whatever it is, then you don't have to carry the weight of everything all the time. Yeah. I mean, I listen to a lot of Brielle Bernstein. I don't know if you're familiar with her work. She wrote a book a long time ago called Spirit Junkie, and she's got a ton of other ones like Judgment Detox. And she talks a lot about that idea of finding a bigger purpose outside of yourself, whether it's, you know, a religious purpose like, you know, God or Mother Nature or some higher spirit or something that the universe, but connecting yourself to that because what Brooke just said, I think is really important is that, you know, especially if you're a solopreneur, you know, a lot of this can feel very heavy and it's a lot of weight to carry on your back. And as entrepreneurs, you know, in some way we sign up for that, but it doesn't make it any less heavy for us to carry it. So 
anything we can do to kind of work on ourselves, our confidence, our mindfulness, our mental health, and, um, you know, and find our bigger why I think is really, really critical, which is something I often coach about when I'm meeting with new business owners, like that you really have to be really passionate about your product because, you know, running a business is not easy. And I like to talk about that a lot because I think it can be over glorified online because people will want to sell you something. So they're going to tell you how easy it is to make a million dollars drop shipping or whatever. Um, and they're like, Oh, just build a funnel. Yeah. Just build that sales funnel, set up that webinar and you're all good. But they oftentimes have an incentive to do that, which is like they're selling their coaching package or their training videos or whatever. Um, so I like to be very pragmatic and realistic about it because I do think that part of the key of being an entrepreneur is the persistence and picking yourself up after you fall down because you will fall down. And that's what I've learned. And I love that analogy you gave with the arrows. I think we can all be our own worst enemies or we can choose to be our best friends. So we can choose to pump ourselves up or we can easily take the wind out of our sails. So I definitely am personally taking very many notes <laughs> mentally on this podcast episode as well, because it definitely resonates with me too. I just want to jump to, because I know I could, I feel like, again, I could talk with you for like probably an hour easily, but I want to just pop back to some of the stuff we're talking about, like mindfulness and whatnot. Are there any like sort of apps or tools that you kind of recommend to your clients that they get on their phones or anything like that, that can help keep them conscious throughout the day about these practices. Cause I know that we all get busy and then we'll forget to do stuff. And we're like, Oh, I should have done that meditation or whatever. What do you use personally? Yep. So personally, and what I recommend to my clients is tying it into things that you do every day. So for example, brushing your teeth. Um, most likely we all brush our teeth a couple times a day. So instead of like listening to a podcast or talking to your significant other while brushing your teeth, take that two minutes and just focus on the sensations of brushing your teeth. Notice the toothbrush in your fingertips, notice the bristles in your mouth, notice how the bristles feel against your gums. And right there, if you brush your teeth twice a day, you've just spent four minutes practicing mindfulness. Washing your hands. We wash our hands several times a day, especially in these new times. So every time you wash your hands, focus on the sensations, the water against your hands, how the texture changes when you add soap, how your hands feel rubbing against each other. Anytime that we focus our awareness towards the physical sensations of being in our bodies, we are practicing using that direct experience circuitry of the brain. Walking from your car into a store, Notice the soles of your feet as you walk. If you have a purse, notice how your purse feels on your shoulder, how it feels touching your hip. Notice the sensation of clothing against your skin. Notice air against your skin. So think of the activities that you do every day or several times a day, um, especially activities that aren't, you know, deep work. They're not, you know, creating elaborate, financial forecasting spreadsheets, but the sort of the physical tasks that we do every day and just practice being fully present for those. Yeah, I love that. That's like a really easy thing that I think a lot of us can just build into our day versus, you know, I think I got into a phase where I was like, I had this like habit tracker app, which is probably the worst thing for me to download because I'm 
already so type A and I would be like, okay, did I meditate? Did I do my yoga? Did I do this? And it was like all about checking the boxes, but then I wasn't even really necessarily present in what I was doing. I was just kind of doing a task. So I love that idea of just like really tuning back into your body when you're doing things that you're already kind of doing, because it's very easy for us to fall into that doer mode and really lose a sense of like what we're actually doing and where we are and how we feel in our body. So I can definitely appreciate that. Tell us a little bit more about what you're working on right now and how you work with clients. Right now, the only way to work with me is one-on-one. You can find me at drbrooksmith.com and on Instagram at drbrooksmith. I am over the course of this year launching a few group programs and DIY self-paced courses. So the best way to stay up to date on everything that's coming out over the next few months is to follow me on Instagram or head over to my website and get on my mailing list. Okay, awesome. And yeah, I definitely recommend checking out Brooke's website and her Instagram and working with her if you think it's a fit. I definitely, I've personally benefited immensely by having a therapist myself and a coach and a mindset coach. So I know that that kind of work is really important for entrepreneurs, especially those growing big businesses. So let's jump into the hot seat questions. These are just quick one or two word answers. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind and we'll try and get through a couple of them before we wrap up. So what's one non-negotiable step in your morning routine? Going to bed early. Oh, (laughs) what time do you go to bed? I like to wake up without an alarm. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, And the thing that allows me to do that is going to bed early. So that's the first step of my morning routine. What time do you go to bed? I'm curious. Usually by nine o'clock. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Goals, major goals. I'm trying to get below (laughs) 11 p.m. right now. So uh, major goals. (laughs) Props to you for that. What's your favorite business book that you've ever read? (sighs) Your body is your brain. It's a book about embodied leadership. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's an abundance of books about strategy, but that book really helps me to reevaluate the importance of relationships, our relationships with our customers, our relationships with our potential customers, and our relationships with our employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good one. And what's your favorite podcast that you're listening to right now? Could be on any subject. Yep. The Lively Show and oh. Spiritual Boss Shit. Oh, love The Lively Show. Haven't heard of the other one, but we'll definitely link to both of those in the show notes so everybody can check them out as well. And last but not least, if you could wear one outfit on repeat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, a really easy like summer dress and a big sweater. Oh, nice. I love that. All right, Brooke, this has been a really great discussion. I'm sure our listeners took tons of notes on this. You gave some really actionable tips and processes that, you know, people can implement right now to start feeling, you know, more confident in their business and get those quick wins and and figure out how to use their time most effectively. So thank you for that. Before we go, can you just rewrap of where people can find you online? Yep, uh, drbrooksmith.com and Instagram at drbrooksmith. All right. Thanks, Brooke. Really appreciate your time today. I learned a lot. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Christy. This was so much fun. Thank you 
you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts, and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.